What up, what up, what up everyone? Welcome to episode 14 of Combo's Court and I am Combo. Go grab yourself some body armor, tell them Combo sent you. Draft episode, NBA draft analyst from SB Nation, Ricky O'Donnell joins in. We talk about Trey Young, Luka Doncic, DeAndre Aiden, plus much, much more. Great episode, I think you will enjoy. Shouts to everyone hooping in their combo socks all over the world. I truly appreciate the continued support. Don't forget to subscribe to Combos Court right on your Apple Podcast app. Rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. You can follow Ricky on Twitter at SBN underscore R-I-C-K-Y. That's at SBN underscore Ricky. You can follow me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E. T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Let's get into it. Got you. Awesome. Um, I'll definitely look more into that. I wanted to start right off the bat with the player that I think is most interesting in the draft, Luka Doncic, 6'8", Slovenian guard. Can you tell me a little bit about him? Yeah, I think Doncic sort of rose to notoriety last year during FIBA Eurobasket on the Slovenian team. There wasn't high expectations for that team coming into the tournament, despite the fact that they had Goran Dragic on the roster as well. But they went on a Cinderella run to win the gold medal, and it was Doncic, not Dragic, who was making most of the plays in crunch time. Before that, Doncic was more of a complimentary player as a 17-year-old, 18-year-old on Real Madrid. When he got in that Eurobasket tournament, he was playing for Slovenia. He was the guy. He was the star who was controlling the ball uh, for the majority of the game. He was the one who was making decisions. So I think that was really his breakout. Uh, He then had a terrific season this year for Real Madrid for most of the year. It's a long year. He did have some ups and downs, which is something you'll hear about uh, if you followed, you know, European basketball closely. But right. when Real Madrid got into EuroLeague, which is the the best competition there is outside of the NBA, arguably, Doncic was phenomenal. He was league MVP. He was Final Four MVP. His team won the championship. So, uh, you know, he really enters this draft as the most accomplished European prospect ever, just in terms of, you know, the accolades he already has on his resume. From a scouting perspective, as you said, six foot eight guard, tremendous passer, great vision, really good rebounder. He's someone who's going to just fill the box score every single game. He might not be a 25 point per game scorer, but I think what sets Luka Doncic apart from the rest of the players in this uh, draft class, especially the bigs at the top of the class, is that he'll have the greatest impact on winning. He's someone who uh, has just won at every single level, and he does all the little things it takes to win games, even if he's not going to put up 25 points and 13 rebounds like DeAndre Ayton will one day. Right, right. Um, it's so rare for a player of that age, if you follow EuroLeague, to see a team just give a player that age the keys, you know what I mean? And to win EuroLeague MVP on top of that is just something we've never seen before. They say about Luca that he has a very high floor, 
but his ceiling is questionable. Yeah, well, that's not really my opinion, but that does seem to be uh, some of the consensus heading into the draft. I think it's because he just doesn't have the, you know, the popping, the eye-popping athleticism you typically expect from a number one overall draft pick. You look at the wings who have gone number one before, like Andrew Wiggins sort of fit that mold. But I think Wiggins is a good player for Don Doncic to be contrasted against because Wiggins was an elite athlete with great positional size, but he's been a little bit of a disappointment in the NBA. He's a good player. He's not a great player by any stretch. And I think that's because his skill level wasn't as high as some anticipated it may be, and his feel for the game wasn't great. So Doncic, taking Doncic is a bet on his skill level and his basketball IQ overcoming whatever sort of athletic limitations he has. I do think he's a better athlete than a lot of people give him credit for. He really made a killing in transition, playing for Real Madrid, playing for Slovenia. He's able to push the ball up the court. He's a great rebounder. He can, you know, finish above the rim on a fast break. There's plenty of highlight reel dunks on Luka Doncic's resume. So I do think the athleticism concerns are a bit overblown, but certainly, I mean, if Andrew Wiggins is like an A or A-plus NBA-level athlete, maybe Luka Doncic's like a B. He makes up for it, though, being a great passer with a great feel for the game. Big-time rebounder, makes winning plays, good developing shooter. I think he's going to get better as a shooter, too. So I think Doncic does have a high ceiling. Will he be a top-10 NBA player? I mean, that might be a stretch. But to me, he's just going to be a guy who helps you win NBA games. Would you take him with the number one pick if you were a decision-maker? Yeah, if it was up to me, I'd be deciding between Doncic and Jaron Jackson Jr., who I view as the best big man in this class. I've been going back and forth on that over the last few days, but I do think I would take Luka at the end of the day just because of the way the game has evolved. It sort of put more of an emphasis on shooting, passing, and basketball IQ, and those are Doncic's strengths, so I would take Doncic number one. Okay. To segue, though, who do you think Phoenix will pick as number one? Not who you would pick. Who would you think they will pick as number one? Well, I have no idea. I have no insight into this. Got you, got you. Anyone else wouldn't have just reading draft coverage online. But all the buzz is that they're going to take DeAndre Ayton, which makes some sense, too. Uh, Ayton obviously having connections to the state, playing his college ball at Arizona. He also played high school ball for a year in the state of Arizona. Uh, Ayton, to me, he just looks like your prototypical number one overall NBA draft pick throughout the history of the league. You've always wanted the physically dominant center who can score inside, who can rebound. Aiton's like a 90s center. He reminds me of like Patrick Ewing. David Robinson is a little bit high of a comp for him, but he could get there. I mean, his natural talent is as impressive as anyone I've seen in terms of a big man, you know, in the last decade, I think. Uh, the problem with Aiton is that he does not have a defensive impact. His instincts are really poor. Granted, he was playing out of position at the power forward for most of the year, at Arizona, but he's just someone who has slow reaction time. I don't think he reads the floor well defensively. And you look at the league right now, and even good defensive centers like Rudy Gobert and Clint Capella are kind of getting run off the floor in the playoffs. You wonder how good can DeAndre Ayton really be if he struggles so much defensively. NBA teams are going to target him in the pick and roll and force him to make plays. He's got the physicality to do it. He's incredibly explosive athletically, long arms, strong physical frame. Uh, you know, it's just the instincts and the feel for the game that he needs to improve. And, you know, that that's a pretty big task. Right. It's such a guard-heavy league now, and they say it's all about the guards. But I noticed that in this draft, there's a lot of bigs, you know. Is there just a lack of guards? Why do you think – what do you think the reason is? It's a big, heavy draft. I mean, it's just the draft class in general. Like, these guys were all the five-star recruits coming into college. More gotcha. or less, they all lived up to the hype. 
they're all really talented. There's no doubt about it. Five of the first seven picks could be traditional big men. That doesn't even include Michael Porter Jr., who measured at 6'11 at the combine. He's going to be playing four and even some five in the league, I think, as he gets older and stronger. Uh, it's just, you know, the game has changed. You, it's, it's the biggest question in this draft. Like, these big men would be coveted in any other era of the NBA, but the games evolve. How good can they still be in a guard-heavy, wing-heavy league now? Uh, definitely they're all talented. You can see the tantalizing potential. Some of them will overcome their red flags. Some of them won't. You look at someone like Mo Bamba, who's shown a propensity a little bit to hit from the outside with his jumper. He only shot 27% on threes, only hit about 60% of his free throws. But, you know, you see the 7-10 wingspan. Ideally, the perfect version of Mo Bamba's is elite shot blocker who can hit threes. You can go down the list. Aiton has a nice face-up game. Uh, as well as his inside scoring touch and athleticism. If he becomes a really good three-point shooter, if he gets locked in defensively, perhaps he does turn into, you know, one of these next-generation NBA big men, along with Joel Embiid, Chris Porzingis, Carl Anthony Towns. You also have Wendell Carter from Duke, who's more of a throwback, but he's really good. He gets Al Horford comps. He doesn't have many weaknesses in his skill set, but he's not very quick. And in a league that is switching defensively and demanding the big men are able to stay with guards off the pick-and-roll, you wonder how that's going to affect Wendell Carter's long-term impact in the league. Uh, there's also Marvin Bagley, who's the rare tweener in today's NBA. And he's a tweener because he's a pure four. He's like a throwback power forward. Have they cooled Have they cooled on Bagley? No, Bagley could go number two overall. Okay, okay. I mean, you get the potential with him. He's a high-motor guy. He scores inside. Really skilled finisher. He put up just monster numbers at Duke this year. His production was unassailable. Super athletic, high-motor guy. He also has questions on the defensive end. I think for Bagley, the biggest improvements for him could come as a ball handler and shooter. If that happens, he could really take his offensive game to the next stratosphere, but there's defensive questions with him. So, yeah, it's all bigs in this draft. Pretty interesting time for them to be entering the league, and uh, we'll see how that plays out. Mo Bamba, as you just mentioned, a lot of buzz behind him. What's the late buzz all about? It looks like he's improved his jump shot a little bit. What's going on with Mo Bamba? Yeah, you just look at Bamba one time, and you can see how tantalizing he is as a prospect. I wrote about him for the first time when he was a high school junior, watching him at USA Basketball Camp. I mean, back then he had a 7'8 wingspan. Now he's got a 7'10 wingspan. So just historic length for Bamba. I mean, he'll be the longest player in the NBA, longer than Rudy Gobert. From the minute he enters the league, uh, he has some potential as a shooter, but like I said, it's potential. It's not a finished product. He only hit 27% of his threes and about 60% of his free throws this year at Texas. When he's 25, is he going to be a good shooter? It's certainly possible. And if that happens, maybe Mo Bamba does turn in to a really good NBA player. To me, the jump shot for Bamba is essential. It's not going to be a luxury because he's not someone who's going to put the ball on the floor and beat you off the dribble. He's not someone who's going to be able to, you know, facilitate out of the high post. He hasn't really shown a propensity for that. So I wonder, you know, is Bamba going to be a total zero on offense besides for being like, you know, a, a rim runner, a right. mob campaign of Clint Capella? Certainly those guys could also be very good. But I do wonder, is he really that explosive uh, off the floor? Is he really that quick as Capella is? So And can he guard multiple positions? Can he guard two through five? Can he can he get out on switches? Can he move his puppies? How about uh, Mo Bamba as a defender on the perimeter? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hypothetical, right? Like he got beat plenty of times. Yeah. Uh, uh, in college, but, you know, there were times when he was able to stick with guards, too. So, like, that's the real question. Is Bamba, you know, how how quick is Bamba? How athletic is he? Uh, those are legitimate questions, so we'll see. Trey Young, how do you feel his game will translate in the NBA? I like Trey Young quite a bit uh, to an extent. He's very small. He's a below-the-rim athlete. I don't think he can dunk the basketball. 
But, you know, he's the best shooter and the best passer in this draft, and those are skills that tend to translate. Uh, his production was pretty incredible at Oklahoma. He led the country in points and assists. He also operated with the highest usage rate in the country, which is a good thing because as an NBA lead guard, he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. Part of that was because he did turn the ball over quite a bit. My biggest question for Trey Young, for him to succeed in the NBA, he needs to be perfect mentally because he's not going to have a very big margin for error going up against bigger, stronger, longer athletes. Is he going to be perfect mentally? Is he going to cut out some of the, you know, some of the bad shots? Is he going to become a more efficient player? That's the real question with him. But, you know, it's very obvious to see his strengths. If you just watch a little bit of him on tape, he has deep shooting range off the dribble. That's where the Steph Curry comparisons come in. I don't think those are fair because Curry's just such a historically good player. But uh, to me, Trey Young is the first post Curry player. He's the guy who watched Curry growing up. Right, right. I agree, a hundred percent. Right. He'll be a generation of those guys. But he's also a great passer. I mean, his passing is his most underrated attribute. He's able to beat guys, you know, off the pick and roll and hit teammates because guys have to collapse on him to defend his shooting, and that's where his court vision and passing ability really comes into play. So. You just wonder, is Trey Young's offensive value going to be so immense that it makes up for everything he's giving back on defense? Because I do think he could be the worst defensive guard in the league. He's that small. He's that poor defensively. Uh, You know, everyone compares him to Curry. I'm going to compare him to a a different guy who also had a Hall of Fame career. That's Steve Nash. Steve Nash couldn't guard a paper bag where I think Curry's a little bit better defender than he gets credit for. Uh, Nash was bad, though, on defense, but he was still such a great player because he provided so much value offensively. I think that is sort of the path to NBA stardom for Trey Young. Right. Those guys were a little bit bigger than him, but if Trey Young could be that good offensively, he could get by with his lack of defense. All right, so we went through most a lot of the guys who will go 1 through 10, 1 through 7. Um, is there any sleepers in the later rounds, in the second round, late first round? that you feel will be great NBA players that not a lot of people are talking about? Uh, The first guy who jumps out to me is Jared Vanderbilt, who is a 6'8 wing from Kentucky, freshman wing. He didn't play most of this year because he had a foot injury. I saw him as a high school player. He was tremendous. 6'8", 230 pounds, can really run the floor and pass and defend. Extremely versatile player. His biggest question mark is his jump shot, which isn't very good. I think he's got some star potential. I also like Josh Okoji. A 6'4 wing out of Georgia Tech, 7-foot wingspan, 38% three-point shooter, high-motor player. I think he's just going to fly around the court, make plays on the defensive end, and he's able to hit a catch-and-shoot jump shot. Another guy who's not going to go in the top 10 who I really like is Zaire Smith. He's a really unique player because he was raised his entire life as a big man, despite the fact that he's only 6'4". He plays like a big man. He blocked more shots than Marvin Bagley. He rebounded better than Jaron Jackson. Just a tremendous athlete. The best athlete in this draft is Zaire Smith. He's pretty raw as a shooter and as a ball handler, but I think those skills could develop at a rapid rate. So, you know, if you're looking for someone maybe in the middle of the draft who could end up as this year's Donovan Mitchell, you know, there might not, there's not going to be a Donovan Mitchell in every draft, but if you're looking for Campbell this year, I would take Zaire Smith. Great information. Maybe we'll look back at this podcast a year from now and all these guys will be great players. Who knows? Um, what would this podcast be without a question about one of the ball brothers? Do you think Jello will get drafted and does this game translate to the NBA? Uh, no, I don't think he'll be drafted. I just don't think he's a good enough athlete. I haven't really seen him play up close though. Obviously he didn't play for UCLA this year. Right. He's n- not considered a top recruit. So, uh, no, I don't think Jello Ball is an NBA prospect. Thanks for being here, Ricky. We really appreciate it. Anything you want to plug? Uh, you can just find my recruiting coverage at NBA draft coverage, I should say. Uh, it's all there. College basketball section, NBA section. 
It's going to be fun. Fun next week covering the draft. I know you're going to be real busy. Thanks for being here. Thanks for joining Combos Court. I appreciate you. No problem. There it is. Episode 14. Hope you enjoyed. It would mean the world to me if you left a five-star rating and a friendly comment right on your Apple Podcast app. Be on the lookout for episode 15. Combo out.